I'm celebrating five years of business by sharing 50 lessons, learnings, and mistakes I've learned along the way that has got me to this point. There's a lot, so I split this episode into two parts. This is the second half where I'm talking about branding, marketing, sales, competitors, sustainability, and more. And so you can listen to this episode first and then go back and listen to the previous one if you haven't already, where I talk about how to start a business. Finances, mindset, burnout, hiring, and managing a team. And there's a lot to get through. So make sure you listen to the end. I really want to help you prevent yourself from making the same mistakes I made. And then also, if you listen to the end, you'll have a special treat. Join the slow fashion revolution with Recloseted Radio. As the number one podcast for fashion entrepreneurs with a conscience, we're here to help you reach new heights. I'm your host, Selena Ho, the founder and CEO of Recloseted, and I'm on a mission to share my insider knowledge and strategies for launching a successful sustainable brand, growing your existing slow fashion business, and making your brand more environmentally friendly. I also invite industry experts to share their stories and insights too. So subscribe and let's get to work on transforming the harmful fashion industry. First off, thank you so much for being a part of our recloseted community. I know I said that in the last episode as well, but I really don't think we can thank you enough. It means a lot to me that you are on this mission and you're on this ride together as we all work towards transforming the harmful fashion industry. And the fact that I've been able to do that for the past half decade and have your support is amazing. So thank you again. And I hope that I can save you some heartache, headaches, and money from this podcast episode and the last one. So, like I mentioned in my last episode, that's my first gift to you. I really hope that this is helpful for you and can save you time and heartache and money. And then my second gift, I talked about this last week too, but we have a brand new masterclass for those of you that want to start a sustainable fashion brand. I highly encourage you to watch this masterclass. You're going to get never seen before, never talked about content. I am going to walk you through A to Z exactly what it takes to launch a sustainable fashion brand. You're going to get the complete checklist so that you don't have to worry about missing things or things falling through the cracks. You'll know exactly what to do. I'm going to hold your hands through it, and then I also have another gift, like I mentioned. So you will find out what that is if you listen to the end. And without any further ado, let's dive in. In this episode, I wanted to start with branding, and branding is something that is really important because your product. You're going to try your hardest to differentiate your products, and you're going to talk to your ideal customer, do market research, solve a problem, solve a pain point, co-create a solution. All the things I talk about on this podcast, but also on our recloseted YouTube channel, and I've talked about this all the time with our clients too. First and foremost, you want to create really high-quality products that solve a problem and are differentiated. But the reality is, once you're onto something, even if you patent it, you're going to have imitators and copycats. That's just How this all works, and so at the end of the day, a big part of a reason why someone buys a product is because of the product, but the other reason is because of the branding and the brand. So you need to think carefully about what your brand represents, what your brand stands for, why someone would want to shell out their hard-earned money for something that you are producing. And if you think about it, there are brands that sell white T-shirts, and I know we can argue that we don't need another white T-shirt, but there are brands that sell white T-shirts, and some of them sell for five dollars, and some of them can sell for three hundred dollars. 
And that's a really big pay scale. And at the end of the day, it's kind of the same product. But a lot of the times, why it can demand that higher price point is because of brand. And so brand is something that is really important. And you want to think very carefully, like I mentioned, about what you want your brand to be known for. And the key is to act in accordance with that, even when it's difficult. As an example, if your brand is known for high quality, like truly high quality pieces, then when it's difficult finding the right material and nothing's working, are you going to continue searching or are you just going to settle for something that's kind of okay and sacrifice on quality, right? Or if, let's say, ethical manufacturing is something that you want your brand to be known for, transparency is something you want your brand to be known for, but it's getting really hard to find a manufacturer or your current manufacturer has decided to go out of business. When things are tough, if you can still act in accordance to your values, that is when your brand is truly built. Your brand is built over time and over consistency. As an example, at Recloseted, hopefully you would associate our brand with sustainability, you would associate it with giving value, working with fashion brands, things like that. But it's taken half a decade to build this up and be consistent. If, let's say, half of this podcast was about running a florist business and the other half of the episodes are around running a fashion business and then some of them are around tech startups, it's just all over the place and it'd be very confusing what the brand is about. So you want to be consistent over time. That is something that's really important. So once you set up your brand, you want to make sure that everything is very, very consistent and you protect the brand. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is that branding works exponentially. And because of that, you want it to work exponentially for you. You can run ads, you can do content. But at the end of the day, if people tell their friends and they tell their friends and they tell their friends, that's exponential marketing. And the thing to realize is that it could be exponentially good for you. People could be saying good things about you and raving about you. But also on the flip side, they could be saying bad things about you and it could be exponentially bad. And then all of a sudden, people just know that you are not someone that you want to go into business with or you are not someone to buy products from. And that's not good for you. So it is really, really important to keep that in mind as well, that branding is exponential and word of mouth is really important. And moving on from branding and into marketing, when it comes to marketing, practice makes perfect. I talked about how progress is so much more important than perfection in last week's episode, but It's the exact same thing with marketing. Your first few pieces of content are going to be bad. Just accept that and just get things out there and just start improving and start iterating. You will get better, I promise you that, but you can't get better unless you start somewhere. And so just start to get things out there, start to play around with it, and practice will make perfect. Just remember that. And when it comes to your marketing strategy, first and foremost, I really think you need to give value. We live by this concept at Recloseted. We're always trying to give you value. And in that way, we can really create content that's helpful for people. And then that way, people will want to follow us and want to share. And that's how we spread that positive word of mouth. And with our clients, we tell them the exact same thing. If you want someone to join your community, if you want them to share and rave about you, they need to get something out of it because there's so many accounts to follow nowadays and there's so much noise on the internet. So to cut through, you need to give value and that should be your main marketing strategy first and foremost. 
You do not need to worry about algorithms. You do not need to worry about, should I be there? Should I be here? What does this graphic need to look like? Do I need to think about these hashtags? That all is just noise. And what will cut through algorithms, what will cut through all of that stuff is giving value. And then tactically for marketing, I have a couple tips and lessons I've learned. When you first start out, you feel like you want to be everywhere because you want your message to reach more people. Subconsciously, you're like, oh, the more platforms I'm on, the more people I can reach and then the more money I can make. But at the end of the day, what I've realized and what I've helped my clients realize is that when you're starting out, you have limited time, limited resources and limited budget. As such, you really need to kind of put your eggs in one basket when it comes to social media and just pick one platform to do really well on because creating content that people actually find valuable and they find beneficial enough to actually follow you takes a lot of time. And if you're working a nine to five job and you're just starting out, it can be a lot. So instead of trying to be on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube shorts and LinkedIn and Pinterest and every platform under the sun, take a breath, pause, think about what platform your ideal customer is actually on and be on that platform and do a good job at it. And that way you can build an engaged community of your ideal customers that are actually excited, will buy your products, And then as you get more revenue, you can hire more people and you can be on more platforms. But if you try to be everywhere, you're going to burn out and none of the content is going to be good. So it's really important to focus. And then simultaneously, I also recommend email marketing because email marketing is customer data and customer real estate that you own. And you're not going to be at the back and call of algorithms. So I highly recommend you collect emails as well. If you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you would not be surprised because I have told you and I have said how important it is to just focus on one social media platform and couple it with email marketing. So I know I'm being repetitive here, but I definitely wanted to include that in my 50 lessons. Moving on from marketing, the next thing I wanted to talk about was sales. Sales is really important and it's really the livelihood of your business because if you don't sell enough and you don't make enough money, then you don't really have a business. You have a hobby. And that is something that I really learned the hard way and it was definitely a hard pill to swallow. And it's something I tell my clients all the time too because you could make clothes for fun, you could have it as a hobby, but if you want to build a business, then this business needs to be self-sufficient and it needs to drive revenue, which is why sales is so important. My first lesson when it comes to sales is the fact that you need to sell to make sales. And I know that sounds like common sense, but if you think about it, if you don't have something to offer people and or people don't know about it because you're not actively promoting it and selling it, then you're not going to make sales and you're not going to make money. That's just common sense and that's just the way it works, right? You need to actually sell to make sales. So you must have something to offer and ideally it's something that you have validated and people want and it solves a problem and all that stuff. And then once you've done that, that's only half the battle. The other half of the battle is actually promoting it and selling it so people actually know you're selling this so that you can make revenue. And the next thing I really learned is that sales isn't sleazy if you have a product that solves a problem and it helps people because you're actually doing a service for them. They have a problem, they have a challenge, and you have something that will alleviate that problem and that challenge. And so, like I mentioned, you're giving them a service by telling them about it. So instead of being selfish and 
just trying to hide behind the fact that you're uncomfortable selling or you think selling is sleazy or you don't want to be like a car salesman or whatever. You have to get over it. And this took me a while because when I was in university, I did an internship and I did ad sales. And honestly, the product wasn't very good. And I also didn't really think people needed it. And because of that, I was forced to sell something I didn't believe in. And I would just get so much anxiety doing cold calls and talking to businesses. But now when I have something like our programs and our services and I talk to people about it, I don't break a sweat trying to sell because I know it's going to help people. And the exact same thing should happen with you. When you put all of your blood, sweat, and tears into a beautiful product that you know is going to help people, that you know is going to solve a problem for them, then selling is honestly just sharing the product so they're aware of it and then sharing with them how they can get it. So if sales is something that you struggle with and you have a lot of limiting beliefs around, I highly encourage you to work on it and just even journal about it as well. And then the next thing about sales is that it is a skill, meaning that you will get better over time and you just need to put in the reps. At that ad agency that I was just talking about, I had really atrocious close rates the first couple of weeks because I was figuring things out. It was my first time doing it and I was nervous and my palms were sweaty and all this stuff. But it gets better over time and you learn it. And so it's like any new skill. It's like the first time you learned how to swim or the first time you learned how to ride a bike. Like it just takes time. And it's arguably, in my opinion, more important than marketing. Marketing is still important, but for me personally, I have really strong marketing skills. So I definitely leaned more into that. But honestly, if you can sell, you're golden because you can make money. And once you can make money for your business, you can invest in it, you can hire people, and that'll be good. But you just got to work on it. You need to remove any limiting beliefs and just remember that you have to put in the reps. The other thing that has really shifted my thoughts around sales is the fact that The act of selling is not about getting someone to buy. Rather, it's about helping someone make a decision. Because if you give them more information, if you tell them about the benefits, if you tell them how they can use it and you tell them about the price, then you're giving them all the information they need to make an educated decision about whether or not this is for them. And that's really the whole point of it. It's not about closing them. It's not about making the money. And I know it's easy for me to say this right now when maybe I don't know your situation or if you're living like product paycheck to product paycheck or whatever. But at the end of the day, it is about helping people make a decision. And statistically, 10% of people were never going to buy in the first place. 10% would buy even if you're not there. They would just hand you the credit card information. And then the job, the act of selling is really the 80% that are on the fence. So if you think about that and you get a few no's, that's fine. That's honestly normal because 10% were never going to buy in the first place. And the whole name of the game is not to close, not to make a sale, but it's actually to help people make a decision. And I feel like that takes a lot of the pressure off the sale. And the last lesson I've learned about sales is that you will always make the sale if your prospect or potential customer thinks that what they are paying is less valuable than what they are getting. In other words, what they are buying, they think is going to be more valuable than what they are paying because everyone loves to get a deal. So if you're noticing that people aren't buying, then maybe they just don't see the value in it and maybe you need to increase the value. It's not always about decreasing the price. I know the first thing people love to do 
is put their stuff on sale, do a discount if they don't see sales are coming in. But honestly, sometimes you just need to increase the value of your product so that that perceived you know, amount that you're paying and the value ratio is just a lot bigger. And now I wanted to move on to competitors. So the first thing I wanted to say about competitors is that if there's an opportunity and there's a market, then people will flock to it. It's actually a good sign if you have competitors because that means what you're doing is probably on the right track and other people are interested in it as well. So I would not take having competitors as a bad sign. I would take it as a good sign. Next, I would say that it's good to know what's going on because you want to know what's happening in your industry. But I don't want you to obsessively stalk your competitors every day. That is not healthy and not a good use of your time. Don't put attention in other people's businesses. Put it on your own business. And I wanted to tell a story. And I don't know if this is true, but I've heard it said around. So I'm just going to repeat it now. But Michael Phelps is a really famous swimmer. He's an Olympian. And apparently once there was this other competitor that was swimming against Michael Phelps and he looked over just for like a split second to see where Michael Phelps was and how he was doing. And because he looked over, he lost the race by that split second. And it just goes to show the importance of staying in your own lane. Yes, like I mentioned, it's good to know what's going on. But at the end of the day, your energy needs to 110% be on your business. You cannot let what other people are doing deter you. You really need to stay in your own lane, put your head down, and just work. The other thing about competitors is that I know it's easier said than done, but I don't want you to compare because every business brings their own perspective and their own magic, and you will be able to serve your customers in unique ways. You will be able to bring your own flair to it. So try your best not to compare. I think when you first start out in business, it's hard. But just remember that you're comparing your chapter one to someone else's chapter 50, maybe. It's unfair for you to compare your business to a company that's been around for 20 years and has millions in sales. You just can't do that. So don't compare because you bring your own perspective and your own magic. The next category I wanted to talk about is around sustainability. And the first kind of hard pill that I swallowed was the fact that sustainability doesn't really exist. There's actually no such thing as sustainability. Instead, what I've learned is that it really is a balancing act because if we truly wanted to be sustainable, we would just cease any business operations. We would all just be at home or maybe not even in our homes, but just out in the wilderness and we just live like the Stone Ages. We would hunt for our food. We wouldn't really wear clothes. We would not use electricity and all that stuff. But that's just not realistic. So instead, sustainability is really about a balancing act and balancing living your life, doing all those things, but in a really conscious way where you think about future generations and how you can lessen your impact on the planet. So really, that's the name of the game here. And when it comes to sustainability, too, I've learned that it is not black and white at all. There's nothing that's 100% sustainable or there's nothing that's 100% not sustainable. And it's really just all about perspective and priorities and all those different things. And I know sometimes that can be frustrating because you're like, okay, I don't want to use a certain material or I don't want to use a certain type of packaging because it's not good. But at the end of the day, it's just around what your priorities are when it comes to sustainability. Are you prioritizing not emitting a lot of carbon emissions? Are you prioritizing 
water usage, what's important to you, and then you can make that decision. And that's why picking and choosing your priorities is something we do with our clients, and it's something that's really, really important. And then the last section I wanted to talk about was learning and development. This is something I am really big on. If you listen to the podcast, if you watch any of the YouTube videos, or if we've worked together and you've been a client, then you know this. But it is so important to constantly learn and grow and develop yourself so that you are not the bottleneck in your business. And it is important because you are the one stewarding and leading your business and you don't want to be why your business isn't growing. So it's important that you yourself grow so that your business can grow. Another lesson I have learned in this regard is that you actually need mentors for each part of your life. You can't just have one mentor for everything because, you know, they may not have what you want in other areas of your life. As an example, you may have a personal trainer that helps you with your workouts. You may have a nutritionist that helps you with your nutrition. You may have a financial advisor that helps you with your finances. You may have a hairstylist. You may have a counselor or a therapist that helps you with your emotions. Everyone kind of specializes in one thing. And in that regard, you can really get the best advice in each area. And, you know, some people go to their hairstylist and they ask the hairstylist for business advice or what to do with their life. And while it's perhaps helpful to get a variety of opinions, I also think that a lot of the times that it's just noise because if the person doesn't have the business you want or the person doesn't have the financial portfolio or net worth that you want, then why are you taking business and or financial advice from them? So you need to have mentors for each part of your life. And the other thing I've learned too is that there's seasons of learning, but then there's also seasons of implementing. I'm sure you know people, or maybe you are in the situation where you are consuming so much knowledge. You are listening to all the podcasts, you are reading all the books, doing all the things, but nothing's really changing in your life. And that's because you're just intaking, but you're not implementing. And it's really important that you don't just read and you ingest this information, but you actually go out and execute it. So personally for me, I have seasons where I am learning things and then I will really consciously force myself to implement some of those things. It's actually better for you to only read three books a year if you choose three really good books and you implement it versus reading a hundred but not doing anything about it. So you really need to think about, are you in a season of learning right now or are you in a season of implementing? And I really challenge you to try to make sure you have a balance of both. As you become more seasoned as an entrepreneur, you begin to learn what your knowledge gaps are, and then you can seek out mentors or resources to fill those gaps. At the beginning, you're just going to be intaking information from like the fire hose, right? You're listening to all the podcasts, you're reading all the books, you're watching the YouTube videos, and it can feel productive because everything is brand new. But at one point, you will get your business off the ground, and then maybe you have a plateau in sales. And so you need to read up potentially on product management or product development. You need to think about how to up your branding, your marketing, your sales. You may need to think about how to expand the team so you can get the business to the next level. There's just going to be knowledge gaps and running a business is like playing a video game. I've talked about this before, but to get to the next level, you need to have all the things necessary to get to that next level. So it's like a video game. You got to collect all those things. And so as you become more seasoned, you get better at identifying what you need. But until then, I would rely on mentors to help point that out for you. 
And then the last thing is really just around trusting your gut when it comes to mentors you are working with. And so if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you will know that I made a $10,000 mistake last year. It's actually the anniversary of my 10K mistake. And if you missed that episode or you kind of remember it, but you don't remember what went on and you want to hear all the tea and my learnings from it, then go back and listen to episode 148 of this podcast where I went in depth. But basically, I hired this PR agency. It was a complete nightmare and I spent 10K. And so (laughs) I learned a lot from that experience and I talked about it really in depth in that episode. And I think that if you're ever about to invest in something, which absolutely you should, the message is not to not invest or be afraid of investing, but rather being really choosy around who you work with and really ensuring that they will do a good job, they will treat you right and all this stuff. And then I also throughout that entire process learned how to deal with upset customers because in that case, I was an upset customer and I really did not feel seen or heard and I feel like they handled it extremely poorly. So if you are curious about how to handle upset customers, I highly recommend you listen to that episode as well. And if you made it this far, congratulations. I hope that all 50 of these lessons So the 25 from this episode and the 25 from our last episode will be helpful to you. And like I mentioned earlier in this episode, like I really hope that you're not just listening to this and it goes in one ear and out the other. I really want you to be implementing. So even if you just take a couple of these lessons to heart, I really feel like it's going to save you a lot of time and heartache. So please, you know, just please listen to it. You can listen to this a couple of times to really drill it into your brain. But I want you to implement. I don't want you to just listen and have it go in one ear and out the other. And as promised, because you have gotten to this spot, I have a special treat for you. So I have a few more one-on-one 45-minute free consulting sessions left to help you launch your sustainable fashion brand. You can again visit recloseted.com slash masterclass. The link will be in the show notes, but at that link, you will get my brand new masterclass, a complete zero to launch checklist so you don't miss anything. And then also a link to book that call with me. I only have a few more spots left, so don't snooze. And last but not least, thank you again for all your support. This was a really fun episode to record as well as the one last week. And so if you like content like this, please let us know. Hit us up in the DMs at Recloseted on Instagram. Feel free to reach out. And that's a wrap on this episode. If you got value from this, I would appreciate it if you could take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at Recloseted. Be sure to subscribe to the Recloseted Radio podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode and you have access to all of our valuable resources. And if you're feeling generous, please rate our podcast five stars and leave us a glowing review. I'm cheering you on and together let's transform the harmful fashion industry.